Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this show, this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, as we literally talk everything about the roster, whether it's current players, guys on the practice squad, uh, you could argue they're you know, on the roster in, in some way, shape or form, uh, you know, and of course, also draft picks, uh, particularly now that the, the college football season's, you know, pretty much getting halfway through and you know, you're starting to see some leaders emerge. You know, the flavor of the month, uh, this month is Kenny Pickett. I actually earlier this morning, uh, you know, was listening when I, when I was taking the dog for a walk, I, I was listening to DJ Brooks and, um, DJ Brooks, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, uh, who were talking to, uh, Jim Nagy of the senior bowl and really talking around how Kenny Pickett had actually, called him up after last year's senior bowl where he didn't accept his invite and sort of said, what are teams thinking about me? And, and he said, transparently, you're at best a fourth or a fifth round. You're going to be a backup. Um, you're probably going to be, be like what I, what the scouting grade was on Kirk Cousins. So, you know, and then he's come back this year and he, you know, he's really showing his athleticism and he's showing him throw the football. So, you know, I know he's the absolute flavor of the month. We're not going to cover him on today's show. There's plenty of time to cover uh, Kenny Pickett, but, Needless to say, I, I think you're starting to see these names like your Kenny Pickett's really hot up when it comes to to college football that have really come along strong this year. You know, Caleb Williams is another one with their Ohio State, uh, you, you know, and, and henceforth. So, you know, it is a really interesting time to be looking at, you know, some of those draft picks. And, you know, it's a buy, you know, we've just come through the bye week. Uh, you know, usually I like to to preview some of the rookies coming up as well, uh, you know, from the opposite team this week. So we will do that, of course. Uh, but I do want to start getting into some previewing some college players as well. What I thought I would do, though, Last week, I gave some grades, uh, you know, your traditional, you know, A through F grades. And I think Shannon White, if it's not up there already, um, you know, he's going to have an article with with a similar thing, I think, this week. I think you mentioned to, mentioned over the BTSC Slack channel. So stay tuned for that. It could be really interesting to contrast them um, and see there, you know, if he, <laughs> he might have been a harsher critic than me. As, as everyone knows, I kind of went a little bit more positive as I started talking through some of those grades. But what I thought I would do um, first off is actually look at – so. You know, I've, I've criticized if people that listen to Steelers Touchdown Under uh, with Mark Davison and I. I didn't do that very well, did I? It's Touchdown Under. Uh, know that, you know, I question PFF grades, but I've fallen into it. I needed to with the college, um, some of the college grades that come out of there because it's very hard to, you know, get grades outside of that. Um, but I got a 50% off deal from uh, PFF this week. So I mean, I've got like the basic or the mid of the range package uh, for the NFL um, you know, because it was really steep, the big one, and, I'm, and I don't actively bet as much on the NFL um, as I know some people do. So I didn't think it required the full package, but then I've got the full package for the college game. But what I thought I'd do quickly, which is kind of interesting, is really look at, uh, you know, what are the, not go through every single grade, or this is just, you know, Dave's the stack eight guy, but as well, that's going to be pretty hard to listen to me just rattle off numbers. Um, apologies for every time I've, I've done that before, but what I wanted to do was look at what's the, the the grade that is the biggest strength for the current rookies for the Steelers versus what's their weakness. And obviously we're now through the, the, the six games. So Najee Harris, 
His strength is really in the receiving game. He gets a grade of 71.4. His weakness is in run blocking. Uh, you've got Cody White. His run blocking rate is 90, you know, rating was 90.9 at the moment. Uh, receiving is 53.9. Um, that's his weakness. <laughs> Interesting when you're a receiver. Um, you know, but that also depends on the passes that you're getting from Ben. Uh, Pat Freemuth, uh, his strength is 78.4 for receiving, 51.1 for run block. So it's interesting there because we know Steels like to get their tight ends blocking the football, uh, you know, you know, blocking for the run game. And when it comes to Pat, you know, that was probably the thing we wanted to see most. I wonder if that's a pretty rough grade that PFF are giving, but hey, that's currently his weak spot. So let's see if that can change by, you know, by the time we get to the end of the regular season. Um and then basically you've got Kendrick Green. His pass blocking is his strength at 59.8. And you're going, geez, that's his strength. Uh, run blocking is his weakness at 54.7. So not the biggest variance there, 10%. Um, also, in, if you're looking at the PFF metrics, uh, you know, but interesting from that perspective. And at the same time, he's had some good run blocks, you know, and these numbers don't mean that they've been completely terrible in every sense of the word. If they're in the thirties, maybe. Um, but what I, what I would say is that's a big area for Kendrick Green to continue to improve as is pass blocking, but definitely run blocking. He needs, he needs a bit more work uh, than, than the pass block. And then you get into Dan Moore Jr. Uh, his strength is pass block with a 64.5. Uh, I've never read that numeral correctly. <laughs> I've got very messy writing. And then you go to 55.3 for his run blocking. So you can see there with Dan Moore Jr. Um, you know, whilst, you know, we anecdotally think his run blocking works and you see that on good plays, actually it was his pass block, uh, the PFF for having him higher. And this is where things start to, does PFF stack up against the eye test? Depends. I mean, there's a lot of challenges with 20, you know, the all 22 film at the moment as well. How does that come into play? You know, there are a number of considerations here, but at the moment, that's where he's sitting. Um, and if he improves m- remarkably by the eye test, he'll likely repro- improve, pardon me, uh, remarkably by the, uh, by the PFF, you know, score test. Um, I should probably pause and let everyone know I had some orthodontic work done this week. So my mouth's feeling a bit funny, which is why I'm probably tripping over a couple of words uh, this week. But then moving along the rookies, uh, you know, when you look at Buddy Johnson, he doesn't get these grades because, you know, in terms of the play that he's done in the balance special teams, Louder Milk, his strength is rush, is his rush defense is 61.9. His, sorry, his run defense is 61.9. And then his pass rushes his weakness with 56.9. Derek Tootscar, interestingly, so his strength is run D with a 69.5. His weakness is pass uh, rush with a 49.4. But I actually pulled out his coverage number as well because I thought that was interesting where he had a 60.5. I thought that was, that was surprisingly high for me. I, like I, I was surprised that, that PFF gave him that score. Not that I think he's been bad in the limited snaps he's played You know, in terms of coverage. I just didn't think it would be that high. Uh, then you go to Train Norwood. Uh, and his strength is his coverage at 65.6, and his weakness is his pass rush at 51.2. I don't think those are surprising numbers uh, for anyone uh, there when you look at what Trey Norwood's role is, what his strengths are, and what have you. So where does that leave these Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, that leaves these Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, in terms of their position rankings. Kendrick Green is currently 27th out of 36 at center. Cody White's not rated. And he's outside the 120 that they list. Uh, Pat 
Freemuth is 15th out of 68 tight ends. Um, and this is only a minimum number of snaps or active starts. Uh, Dan Moore Jr. is 54 out of 68 for tackles. Not the best ring endorsement there, but incredible for a fourth round draft pick uh, who was expected to potentially even redshirt the season. Uh, and we're only through, you know, his first, you know, six games. Trey Norwood's 51st out of 112. Loudermilk doesn't get a rating, neither does Derek Tutska. Neither does uh, Buddy Johnson. And then Najee's 33rd out of 65 running backs. I think there, though, we, we obviously think we're ho- I think <laughs> we all hope, um, and I think it's hopefully quite likely that Najee will, you know, rocket up that list um, as the O-line comes together. And what I think you can see here is if we can track, even in three or four weeks' time, and Kendrick Green and Dan Moore are lifting in terms of these rookies in where they're sitting it's probably going to coincide, I, I would, you know, be happy to suggest with Najee also, you know, rising up uh, those rankings as well. And so then let's move on to uh, the, the Browns this week. So big game, big game against the Cleveland Browns. You don't need me to tell you it's a big game. Uh, we, we all know that the Steelers need to get a win in this one. If they can, they're going to really set themselves off on the right foot, uh, you know, for this sort of second stretch. Um, it's a bit more than a second half of the season there. Uh, Cleveland has a really, you know, they had a really interesting draft class last year. I was, if I were, you know, a, a Cleveland Browns fan, I mean, I'm never going to be a Cleveland Brown fan. I never would be. I don't know why it would be. Uh, but if you were, let's just say if you were and you went down that crazy maddening route that is being a Cleveland Browns fan, um, basically, I think when you when you sit there and you look at it, um, it, it, it they did get some good draft picks. They really did. Um, and that's, I think, going to be an interesting challenge for the Steelers to navigate uh, over the course of the next few seasons, particularly why these guys are still on their rookie contracts. Um, you know, and there's some big names that they've had, and then there's some, you know, that they're able to draft, and then there's some other names that, you know, you're going to go, who the heck is that? Who the heck is that? And that's the same with the Steelers. I mean, you know, think about us in terms of, you know, Mike Hilton, uh, you know, that we've had before, you know, even, uh, you know, Gilbert, uh, you know, at the tackle position, you know, there are, there are multiple different guys. I mean, even you listen to the, the James Harrison story to a degree and, you know, for a lot of NFL fans, when he came on the scene, they'd be like, who is this guy? Sorry. Uh, but yeah, there were some names that uh, BTSC listeners will be fairly familiar with uh, that would have made it across definitely um, the, not the Know Your Enemy, um, the, the show with Michael, Michael Beck and Jeffrey Bendick that they do uh, in the in the off season, um, you know that really focusing on the different colleges uh, and and some of their draft classes, you know that's these names are going to be pretty familiar when we go through them. And then if you're a college football fan, you understand as well. I think the first person to really lead out with this uh, is Greg Newsom. Um, he was their 26th overall pick in the NFL draft, uh, their first round pick. He's someone that is really interesting when you, the Draft Network's Draft Dudes podcast, they had this guy as their highest rated cornerback across every category. So he wasn't the highest rated quarterback cornerback in any specific category, but he had the highest average across all of them, um, you know, all the categories that they measure on. And this was across over eight, eight of them. Uh, he's played 
you know, 100% of the defensive snaps against Denver. He played 97% week one, 98% week two, 82% week three, uh, 28% uh, in, in week six. And I think he had an injury. I think he was out with injury. Um, that's right. Yeah. For a couple of games there. So that's pretty significant uh, in terms of his stats so far. He's got three pass defenses, about 11 tackles. Uh, you know, he starts, um, quite he starts off quite a high depth so you know he's starting at an average of 12.3 yards away from the receiver he's only allowing a quarterback rating of 88.8 and a completion percentage of 62.5 and he's only allowed 133 yards on 16 targets so you know he is he's shutting things down he's only missed 8.3 percent of his tackles according to pro football reference um Really interesting player. He could do some things, and I think he's going to actually make life pretty hard for the Steelers. He runs a four three nine forty as well, uh, so look out for for him there because he he could be really problematic uh, for the Steelers. You know, particularly if he's playing seventy plus percent uh, of the snaps in this game coming up. The next player you have on the list uh, on my list is a guy called Malik McDowell. Um, you know, so actually. Apologies, I've had a wrong click there. Uh, let's let's bring him back up. Um, no, is Richard LeCount, uh, and he was drafted in the fifth round, 169th overall in in the NFL draft. Uh, you know, this year he's played four games so far. It's mostly been special teams uh, where he's played about 50 percent of those snaps. He actually played five defensive snaps in Week One against Kansas. Interesting to see what he might do. Um, this week and it's interesting he's played four games so he played week one week four week six week seven uh so he's definitely part of a particular game plan that they've got i i don't know too much about him uh in terms of he's out of georgia i I say i don't recall too much about him out of last year's um you know you know college and, and and draft sort of uh you know, mock drafts and draft process and, and evaluations and what have you. But needless to say, you know, he's a player that, you know, is starting to contribute for on special teams. And usually, as we know, with the good teams, special teams is a, is a route in the, in the coming seasons into the full team. Uh, you know, and you've seen guys step up against the Steelers before and who knows what super packages they might have. Uh, they might be using a bit in the dime. Uh, he's, you know, a, a 5'11", 196-pound safety um, so, you know, interesting to see how they might use him. And, and hey, special teams can still make plays. Then we look at bads, you know, uh, draft Darling and Anthony Schwartz. Uh, Cleveland Browns, obviously, uh, drafted him there. And, and I think that was a disappointment. Uh, it was their third-round pick, 91st overall in this year's NFL draft. Uh, you know, he hasn't had – he hasn't done a lot. Uh, he's had a minimum one target in every game, so that's interesting. Uh, his high was actually in week one where he had uh, five targets for three receptions, 69 yards, catch rate of 60% there. Um, you know, he's had no touchdowns on the season. The last two weeks in a row, he's had three targets for two receptions. The first week he had 11 yards, um, or week six against Arizona, 11 yards, uh, first of those two weeks. And then last week he had 22 yards. So, you know, he's... Got it, you know, he's catch he catches 60% of his balls, we can say, <laughs> on uh on you know less than sort of 15 um passes, and you know, he's gone for a total of like uh 102 yards. So who knows? But that's not to say again, Case Keenan establishes a relationship with him this week if Baker's out. Who knows what happens there? That you know, he's starting to work his way back into the into the rotation, it looks like. Uh, and he is playing 
um, a little bit on. He's played a third of the special team snaps the last three weeks running. Uh, then you go into James Hudson, the offensive tackle out of uh, out of Michigan, and then Cincinnati. Um, people know him from Cincinnati, where he was, you know, blocking for uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, he was drafted 110th overall, as say in the fourth round. He's played uh, 100% of the offensive snaps in week six. He played 27% in week four, 29% in week five. No snaps any other week except for special teams. Uh, there's not much really to say you know, too much about him. I don't sit there and, you know, analyze a hell of a lot of O-line play, um, you know, really, and particularly not that outside the Steelers. He's only had two offensive penalties on the season so far. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he's a guy, he's a guy that probably was rated a little bit like that he could have been drafted higher uh, in this year's NFL draft. And then you think about where he was taken, versus where Dan Moore Jr. is taking. He hasn't made into their rotation. We know the amount of investment the Cleveland Browns have made into their O-line over the last few years. But at the same time, uh, you know, you've got to be pretty happy with a guy like Dan Moore, um, you know, and, and what he's contributing. When you look at the the sort of situation here with James Hudson instead. The next player I wanted to look at uh, was Blake Hance. Um, he's a tackle as well. Uh, he's played seven games so far in all seven games for them. He's played 100% of the offensive snaps in the last three weeks running. Before that, he played um, almost a third of the snaps in week two against Houston. Uh, he plays a little bit on special teams as well. He's had, uh, I don't have, a, I have no penalties here against him, which is interesting, uh, you know, and he's contributing there from from that perspective, uh, you know, in the from the tackles, but, you know, he's previously spent some time, um, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well, uh, you know, but it's the Cleveland Browns that have given him a start and, you know, the, this last three games particularly, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, what, what what he looks like, particularly if he's, you know, going up against Cameron Haywood, you know, <laughs> Ter- <laughs> TJ, what, you know, uh, and, and guys like, you know, Alex Highsmith, if he's, if, you know, assuming he's fit um, and, and Ingram too. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, can he, you know, create running lanes? Can he, you know, block for whether it's Case or whether it is indeed, um, you know, Baker Mayfield this weekend? Then you move uh, into Tony Fields. He was a linebacker taken in the fifth round for them, six Six foot, 222 pounds, 153rd overall. He's played in week three, four, six, and seven. Uh, you know, he's played only on special teams. So again, the contribution you're likely to see from him is there. Uh, you know, he's yet to play on the defense. Um, he's a bit slower. He runs a, he ran a 4.6440 yard uh, time ahead of the NFL draft. Um, you know, but hey, he's out of West Virginia. Uh, so he might be a bit familiar for, for a few Steelers fans out there, you know, when they're college football. You know, again, you can make plays on special teams, but I think we'll leave it there there with Tony Fields. Uh, then you go into Dimitri uh, Felton out of UCLA, uh, running back, sixth round, 211th overall. Um, you know, he's actually... Yeah, he's actually had 11 receptions uh, for 111 yards. Uh, he's catch, you know, he's actually really, really good in almost in every game that he's had a reception. He's had a 100% catch rate, except for one where you know he had two out of three. Now, yes, he's getting 
three targets or less. But you can tell he's, he's becoming a bit of a safe uh, pair of hands for them. He had two rushes last week uh, for 13 yards as well. Uh, yet he's at one TD. Uh, that was in the receiving game in week two, uh, where he had a season high of 51 yards, so almost half of his yardage so far. Not bad for a six-round running back. Uh, you know, so mission to see what happens there, you know, for Demetric Felton, how they work him into the rotation against the Steelers uh, this week. And, you know, from sort of a speed perspective, he runs a 4.55, 40 yards. So he's not slow um, by any means, but he's a bit, you know, but he's sort of this light sort of Swiss Army knife kind of guy at 189 pounds, according to Pro Football Reference um, in terms of his weight. This guy, I do remember Jeffrey Benedict and Michael Beck previewing, and that's Tommy Togiai out of Ohio State. Uh, he was someone that I was interested in Steelers getting, uh, six foot two, 296 pounds. So he's kind of the same weight and height, um, if going off these pro football reference numbers, um, as yeah, he's the same, um, sort of build and height as Javon Hargrave. Um, uh, I think Javon Hargrave ended up putting on a bit more weight than that. My weight, I mean, you know, I mean, muscle. Tommy, Tommy Togi, I was taking the fourth round uh, of the NFL draft, 132nd overall, um, you know, and he's, he's he made an appearance in the Denver game. Uh, but interestingly, um, pro football reference don't actually list out too many stats there for him, uh, you know, because I don't know how he made, maybe... Maybe he had the helmet. He didn't get to play. I think that's probably what it's going to be. Um, but what I would say, though, is for a guy that size, he had a 4, 4.97 40-yard time, which is not crazy, crazy fast. Nothing to crazy right home about from a um, defensive lineman. But it is still on the quicker side, uh, you know. And if you've got a hat this week, depending on, you know, some of the injuries that, that they've, that, you know, Cleveland have got right now, who knows whether we might actually see Tommy Togia make a play, Um but if he's on the field, he is someone that can stifle the run at times. Then you go to uh, Jeremiah Oruso Coromore. He is actually out injured on IR at the moment, uh, based on the what I was able to pull up. He was drafted second round overall. He was someone that could have gone first round. People even talked about would he get picked by the Steelers, six foot two, 221 pounds. I'm glad he's out of this game. Uh, I'm really glad. He, he played 85% of the snaps last week. He played 91% of the snaps the week before. And then he's played either a third or half of the snaps in every other game. So two games where he played a third, two games where he played um, half of them. He plays a lot on special teams. So he's being used all over the field. Um, he's had four pass defense already, one quarterback hit, one tackle for a loss. So he's someone that can start to make plays and you're going to see it. He's forced to fumble as well. He's got half a sack. Um, so, you know, I think it will be really helpful for the Steelers that this guy's not around. He only allows pass um, completion percentage of 36.4%. That's four completions on 11 targets at him. Um, you know, he, the only thing knock on him that he'll need to improve um, ahead of, you know, featuring against the Steelers in future is his missed tackle percentage, which is almost 20%. That's really high in his position, um, you know, and, that bodes well for a Najee Harris. Um, that were, v- bodes well for slant routes, um, you know, and guys like Deontay Johnson. But again, I would say he needs to improve on that or he's going to find himself in a real problem, um, you know, in terms of this Browns uh, defense. And the final player I wanted to look at uh, as well is um, now is Grant Delpit. Now he, 
he is not a rookie, but he was drafted last year, so 2020, um, 45th, 44th overall in the second round. But he was injured throughout the year. So he's only played six games, and they're all this year. Uh, and Grant Delpit, you know, he's starting to come along. Uh, he had a tackle for a loss in week one. Uh, he's had about 10 tackles so far. Uh, he's played a really ranging snap, the amount of snaps. So he played like 43% um, of defensive snaps in week one. Then he played 38% week two. Um, sorry, week two, he played 43%. Week three, he played 38%. Week four, he played 97%. Week five, 31%. Week six, 12%. And week seven, 58%. And then he's played a minimum of 40 snaps and a, and a season high of 75% of the snaps on special teams. Again, he's someone that can make plays. Um, you know, whilst he's only got one pass defense, one force fumble, one sack on the season so far, one quarterback hit, one tackle for a loss, you don't sleep on Grant Delpit. Um, it's just, you know, you look at how much he's been targeted um, as well. He's had six targets thrown his way, um, you know, for five completions allowed 83%. So, yeah, people are making those plays. But, you know, and it's not like he's playing no snaps either, you know, like, and so when you really look at that, if you're the Steelers, you're going to have to pick and choose your moments when you want to, when you really want to target him. Like he's got almost 200 snaps as well. So it's really, yeah, 169 snaps. So, you know, the way that the Browns may use him may be different than what Steelers expect. Equally, the Steelers haven't come up against him before. So the Browns may work in other things to show the Steelers certain looks and then, hey, you know, Grant Delbert, Delbert can, you know, come up trumps. We would have loved Grant Delbert if he was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, would have hated that he was out injured for a year, but we would have definitely um, been really supportive um, of, of that sort of a player there, even though he's more of the free safety. Um, you know, I still think you could pay him and Minka pretty well. Um, you know, but we also like the big bruiser in, you know, in Terrell Edmonds. But with that, that wraps up uh, part one of this week's Steelers Warren. Join me for part two. I've got a couple of exciting uh, college guys to look out for, uh, you know, as we as that season draws on and, and every week, every week of more football happens is another week we get closer to the NFL draft, which may make some people cry, um, you know, but for, for those of us that love the draft, you know, it's still really exciting, although I'd love football all year round. And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, as they look to build a winning roster, whether it's in 2021 or beyond. So, and right now, they're at 500. Counts as winning. So the big player that I wanted to focus on this week and appreciate, you know, I don't want to go too far over the time limit today, is a guy called Jakari Robeson out of Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest will get all the attention this week after, you know, the... 70 points in 17 minutes, unbelievable. And a guy that had a big part in that uh, was very much <laughs> Jakari Robeson, uh, wide receiver there. Uh, so pretty interesting from Jakari Robeson right now. Uh, he's someone that, 
uh, Gerard did say is someone that's really good route runners, um, likes to get a lot of separation, can get separation. He's 6'1", 182 pounds. To me, and, and they talked about teams wanting the team, the, the teams that will want a guy like Jakari Robeson are people that really care about the route running, people that want to develop that, people that want that separation, as I said before, but people that, you know, willing to work with and grow a wide receiver. Sounds a lot like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like to me, this guy sounds like, you know, a slightly bigger DJ. To me, this guy sounds like a, you know, is he a juju potentially? Like I haven't watched a lot of his tape. I need to do that. But I thought, you know, I don't just listen to a name and go, hey, I'm going to talk about him on War Room. I thought I'd go have a look at him. And so as a freshman, he played in three games uh, and had 74 yards. As a sophomore, he played in four games, six receptions, 80 yards. In 2020, in his um, first year, he had uh, 60 receptions, 926 yards for eight touchdowns. And then this year so far, he's played seven games, 39 receptions, 672 yards, an average of 17.2, and he's had five touchdowns. So he's starting to come on uh, big time. He's starting to put together a nice body of work, a really nice body of work. And when you look at the last few se- the last few games, sorry, as well, he's getting hot. So against Army, he had the eight receptions for 157 yards, uh, average of 19.6 yards uh, reception, three touchdowns on the day, along with 75 yards. The week before, he had nine receptions for 135 yards, which is an average of 15. The week before, he had six receptions for 135 yards, um, average of 22 and a half. The week before he had four receptions, 91 yards, an average of 22.8. And the week before that, he had two receptions for 11 yards of an average of 5.5. This guy's getting hot going down the stretch. I mean, Sam Hartman, his quarterback's getting, you know, down, you know, pretty hot down the, down the stretch as well from his play as well. But I mean, you know, he's, and he needs, but he needs someone to throw the football to. Chakari Robeson is someone that you could really stay, see. I think I might say Robinson at one point there, but you know he can really start to rocket up these boards, and he's someone that I'm going to be really excited uh, to continue to see develop over the course of this season. I mean, you know, you look at those games they played Army last, Syracuse, Louisville, um, you know, so they're an interesting, you know, in the Virginia Cavaliers, of course, um, and then Florida, Florida State. They're not, you know. We're not talking SEC, but they're not terrible. And, you know, they're going to go up against Duke this week. They're 7-0. and uh, I saw one ranking that had them 13th um, right now in college football. I saw another one that had them at, at um, more like uh, someone else had said that they felt they were 16th. Interestingly, they're 16th in offense, averaging 469 yards this Wake Forest team. They're averaging 43.1 points, which is the fifth best all in college football. Uh yeah, this guy, Jakari Robeson. And as I say that, like, you know, we want Chase Claypool to develop. Tionte will be going into his final year's contract next year. We don't have James Washington. We don't have Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, this is a guy that you might sort of go, hey, you know, he might be very um, James Washington-like in his play. I'm really interested to see how, uh, you know, Jakari Robeson develops um, as the season continues because, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be... Uh, We'll be in the mix for for a wide receiver. I mean, you got to think. I said this on um, I said this on touchdown under this week about. I said to Mark, you know how you know Kevin Colbert's in the final year of his deal, technically, right? 
even if he's going to come back, even if he's going to come back, you don't think he's going to load them up with another wide receiver? Of course he's going to. And he, particularly, particularly if it is his last year, he's going to 100% load them up with a wide receiver that's going to make an impact. Um, you know, that they're going to get these, this next late round pick, you know, um, well, not late round, but in the least mid round pick uh, that comes up trumps or even, you know, and when you look at what the Steelers are going to be drafting for, the top three positions, a tackle, which we're actually going to come on to in a moment. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be looking at cornerback and they're looking at quarterback, right? Now, most of us in there go get a quarterback, you know, round one, whether there's someone good enough to do that, I don't know. Um, you know, so I think you might be safe going the tackle route, you know, just depending on how things play out with combines and senior bowls and bowl games and all the rest of it. But wide receiver is going to be up there as a key need because next year, if they don't re-sign Juju, assuming they're going to let James Washington go, which I think if you look at the way he's being used this year, that that's probably going to happen. And we're going to hear some, you know, probably, hopefully they don't, but we may hear something out of him that, you know, they're not being used properly. But when you look at that, that basically tells you they're going to have to pull in some wide receivers and the Steelers don't, haven't done too well lately, you know, bringing in some of the more veteran guys. <laughs> don't do my grief. Uh, so, you know, as I say, like wide receivers sort of want to watch develop because where can we get value between the third and the fifth round uh, that can contribute to this team? Or does someone slip for whatever reason, or does the wide receiver position slip uh, to the point that we can get someone super valuable? I mean, again, in that interview I was listening to with Jim Nagy, that he was saying they're probably going to invite 12 tight ends to the senior bowl. They usually struggle to fit six. And he said they're probably going to under-invite wide receivers. It tells you it's an inter- going to be an interesting. Now, yes, that's the senior bowl, but it tells you that things are interesting. And he said this is more about, you know, the fantastic tight end, um, you know, crop that's coming, coming through. But it also sort of tells you where some of the wide receivers are at as well versus where they're at in previous years. But speaking of tackle... I thought it would be very remiss not to continue to talk about O-line, you know, a couple of guys on the O-line. And again, I was thinking if the Steelers are going to go quarterback uh, fairly early on, how are they going to balance this in getting a good tackle in in round two? Uh, So two guys that I think you really want to watch out for going forward. And we are going to go off their PFF grades. I went and and bought these, as I said, is, uh, you know, and because I think, it's very, as I say, it can be very hard otherwise to, you know, look at the, the different college um, grades. But there's two guys that I thought might be interesting to look at. One is uh, Ken Marks from the Raging Cajuns. His offensive grade right now is 86.7, which is 12th out of 468 tackles in college football. Uh, you know, he plays a lot more running snaps than he does pass snaps. So I think that's more to do with their offense. Um, he's played eight inline snaps, 423 um, O-line snaps. He's played um, 20 snaps for field goal, extra point kicks. His run block grade is 90.6. That's fifth in college football, which gives him an A status um, overall with that offensive grade too. His pass block grade is 60.9, um, which isn't great. Now, he's steadily improved. His offensive grade in the last uh, last few years, otherwise, was 61 in 2020, 53.6 in 2019, 59 in 2018, uh, 58 in 2017, um, and 2016, it was, you know, 50. He's a redshirt senior. He's draft eligible next year. I think he's one of these super seniors that we talk about, um, you know. But let's see, he plays majority of run snaps and he's, and he's blocking grades higher. He's obviously got some work to do in the pass block game. But, but for example, overall last year, 
you know, Dan Moore Jr. had a pass spot rating of 67.9, um, you know, by the same numbers, you know, of, of college football and a run block grade of 66.3. And look where he's at. So Ken Marks is someone that I could see second round late, third round maybe um, as well, depending on what, ha- you know, just based on what I see right now in front of me um, with the numbers. But it's got to continue. You got to look at the competition he's coming up and what have you. But this is where the Steelers could get value if they're not going to get the tackle in round one. Where can they get a tackle that makes a difference in round two? On the flip side, I'm looking at Darian Kinnard. Kentucky are a really interesting team right now. You know, they've got a lot. I think they too have a, like quite a heavy contingent of super seniors. Darren, Darren Kinnard's doing really well. Uh, he's the 10th overall rated tackle uh, with an offensive grade of 87.0, according to PFF. Plus block grade of 85, run block, run block grade of 85 um, as well. 11th for running for run block grade, 17th for pass block grade. He's probably a bit more of a safer pick. I think he's going to go much higher in the draft, um, you know, from where he's sitting. He's a senior as well. So the Steelers are not necessarily getting it as old a player. I think he's got two yet less years on, on the board um, when you compare the two. Uh, he's played two snaps in line, eight on field goal extra point kicks, 433 um, in the O-line. Running snaps is 222, passing snaps 213. So that's a lot more balanced. He's six foot five and 345 pounds. So he's a really ideal size versus six foot four for Ken Marks, 308 pounds. Um, you know, and I mean, that's a big bloke. That's a big bopper to move, um, as we say. So, Again, Darren Kennard's going to be a hotter property. He's probably going to go a little bit earlier in the second, you know, depending on, you know, how things play out uh, for that team. But then, as I say, I'm talking about guys that are 12th and 10th in the overall rankings. The guys ahead of them in Kellen Deitch, Zachary Thomas out of San Diego State, Nicholas um, Pettit-Ferry, Cooper Beebe from Kansas State, Darwin Jones, Ohio State, Ikeem Oconwu, who I'm a fan of, but I think he'll he'll move inside. you know, when he makes it into uh, the, the pros. And then you've got Max Mitchell at number one um, with the Raging Cajuns as well. So you're seeing those guys really develop. And if you look at the way that works, um, when you look at like Kevin Dotson, when he came out, you know, everyone was on Hunt and wasn't on Dotson. Perhaps you're seeing, you're seeing a similar thing with Ken Marks and, and Max Mitchell there. Um, you know, from what I've read about them, you know, what I've been able to pull up because, you know, it's hard when you get outside the SEC, um, the Big Ten, et cetera, to uh, <laughs> read about O-line play with some of these guys. Um, you know, but here's someone that could be really good for the Steelers. Uh, so, I mean, I, here's someone I'm going to say, these are three players, um, but particularly Jakari Robeson, but he, you know, he, um, you know, in Ken Marks and, and in Darren Kinnard are two guys I'm going to watch particularly as the season rolls on uh, and as the draft process develops as well. But with that, that's week, this week's Steelers Warren. Go Steelers. Thank <laughs> you.